Awesome to see you in church this morning. How are you all doing? Good. Awesome. Well, it's a privilege to be able to share with you. It's been a little while, but I always do truly count it a privilege. And is there, is there anyone else like me who loves a good software update? You know, on your, like I have a number of Apple devices and, um, you know, it pops up a little message saying it's time to get the latest version. And I always get a really good feeling when that happens. Now, I don't always understand quite what it entails or even what they will actually do. But I know one thing happens. When I click yes, oh, the problems get fixed. I get the latest software. I get new features added. Come on. And it's like, you know, it gets a better version. Yeah? Anyone like me? I love that. Well, this is a little bit like my message this morning. I first preached this message not quite two years ago. And I'm sure it was good. (laughs) But uh, at the time, yeah, Thanks for the encouragement. Uh, but at the time, it lacked a personal story that I was unable to share with you. So, family, it's time for an upgrade. It's time for an update. It's time for a better version. Here is Extravagant Love 2.0. 2.0. And this is a journey my sweetheart and I have kept very private for good reason. But As I shared in the first service, this is the first time you are our whanau, and you get to hear it first. And this is the first time we have publicly shared this, and we believe that God has said to us, this is the right time. So prayers appreciated. As I I journey, I won't be sharing the story to the end of the message, because there is some good stuff in this message um, before my story, which gives glory and honor to God. (laughs) But you know, I was thinking... um, So often, you know, as a musician would compose a song or as a poet would write a poem or as a writer would pen a book, I did through a season in my life what only I knew how to do. I wrote myself a sermon because that's what pastors and preachers do. (laughs) I wrote myself a sermon in a time where I was desperate for God's perspective. Ever been there? Just desperate for God's perspective, to hear what he had to say to me. And I needed his perspective to know what it means to truly love like my heavenly father. So this is a journey. This is a story of, of us trusting in the goodness of God Walking by faith and not by sight, being obedient. And Mike and I, just like my software updates, clicking yes. Yes, God. I'll accept. Yes, God. Amen. (laughs) I'm going to pray right now and uh, pray along with me. Father God, wow, we thank you for a beautiful morning. We thank you that you're faithfulness, your mercies are fresh to us every day. What an honor to meet together. What an honor to open our hearts. Lord, your worship opens the the doorways to your goodness, to your presence. We can sense your presence here. And Lord, as your word goes forth, it's all of our prayer that it would change us, that it would transform us, Lord Jesus, to become more like you. So use me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin by reading a portion of scripture, which should be in your notes and on the screen behind me. And uh, just before I do, the context of this passage is that, it, is that it was a time, it was set two days before Passover, which is what we know to be Easter. Uh, where they were celebrating the festival of unleavened bread, the Passover, their freedom and escape from Egypt, uh, out of slavery into freedom. 
and the priests and teachers of the Jewish law, they were looking for an opportunity to kill, to capture and kill Jesus. And so we'll pick it up in verse three. And it says, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And so they scolded her harshly, the Bible tells us. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached all over the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Beautiful, eh? You know, this woman that um, Mark chapter 14 speaks of is Mary of Bethany. And we know that it's Mary of Bethany because in John chapter 11, he tells us that. And this Mary is, was, is Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus in the Bible, who Jesus raised from the dead. And... Uh, I just, she's just so inspiring. She's a woman who loved extravagantly. I know I'm going to show my age this morning, but I grew up in the 1990s in terms of, sorry, as a teenager, I was a teenager in the 1990s and there wasn't really a lot of great Christian music around like there is today. But one of my favorite bands, really the most favorite band was, D, uh, was DC Talk. I don't know if you have any other DC Talk fans in the house. Well, back in 1994, I was 15 and Parachute Music Festival was a big festival held in Matamata and Tocha Springs. And they brought DC Talk out to New Zealand. This was quite something back in 1994. And I was just massive fangirl. I went with a couple of friends and I managed to get a photo of Kevin from DC Talk. And that photo stayed under my pillow for a whole year. <laughs> I know until I met Mike. He... <laughs> But, you know, one of their songs that I used to love is, was entitled Love is a Verb. Love is a Verb. And it goes, tell me, haven't you heard love? Love is a serious word. Uh, it's time you learned. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you heard. The word love, love, love is a verb. So there's just a few of us. Mike was there probably. <laughs> but isn't that so true? You know, love is so much more than words. Love is a verb, friends, that requires some action. I love that. And so in the month of February, in the month of love, I want to bring to you extravagant love 2.0. You know, as you go about loving your spouse, your partner, your family, your children, your work colleagues, your neighbors, your friends, those who don't like you and those who do. Let your love be extravagant this year. And so I've got four thoughts this morning to share with you. And they take the letters L-O-V-E, so we can easily remember. I like that. So in your notes, firstly, L is for lavish. Extravagant love is one that is lavish. You know, to lavish means to bestow in generous and extravagant quantities. Love that extravagant and generous quantities. And that's what we see Mary of Bethany does. She gives Jesus the most beautiful gift, 
an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Now, you have to understand, this is not just some cheap knockoff perfume you'd get at a $2 shop. No, this is the real deal. This is the genuine article. Pure nard in Bible times was made from the rare uh, leaves of a Himalayan plant. This was a family heirloom, most probably passed down from generation to generation, from mother to daughter. It would have really, if ever, have been used. Wow, what a lavish gift Mary bestowed upon Jesus. And in Mark, it records that she poured this perfume over Jesus' head. And in John, another recording of this passage, it says that she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped them with her hair. You know, this is the same Mary that once Luke was writing a story, recording the story of where Jesus was coming for dinner. And uh, where Mary wanted to sit and listen to Jesus. You might have heard this story before, but Martha, her sister, was busy in the kitchen taking care of all that needed to be done. And it really upset Martha that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. Now, you've got to understand, I love Martha. I am Martha. In fact, I think my most favorite sermons are, are Mary and Martha. So please hear me on that. I'm sorry, I want to be Mary and Martha mushed into one. That will be perfect for me. But it seems really obvious to me, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when we meet Mary in the scriptures, it can appear that she is wasting some things. See, here's her sister Martha uh, thinking that Mary is wasting her time. Here's the disciples thinking that Mary is wasting her money. They thought and were indignant, the Bible says. Why waste such expensive perfume? Mark 14, verse 3. And Jesus replies, and he says, leave her alone. She has done a good and beautiful thing to me. My question is, how will you lavish your love? How will you lavish your love this year? How will you bestow it in extravagant and generous quantities? Will you go overboard? Will you go beyond what is expected? Will you even overdo it to the point of waste in some people's opinions. Maybe there's people in your world who think attending church and being on our dream team and tithing and putting God first, they deem that a waste, in their opinion. Maybe there's people in your world and you're living with integrity in your business dealings and you are doing things God's way. But there are people that look on and go, you could be getting further ahead and doing so much more. They deem it a waste. Maybe you're giving over and above financially. You are sowing into kingdom projects and issues and people might look into your world and deem it a waste. Maybe you go the extra mile for your employer. You arrive early, you leave late. And you've got colleagues who just deem that a waste. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God sees and he does not see it as a waste. In fact, he praises such waste, my friends, when it is lavished upon him. So be encouraged to be lavish with your love this year. Secondly, O is for open. Extravagant love is a love that loves openly. And we see, you know, Mary was actually really criticized for her expression of love. But Jesus, he didn't criticize her. He actually heaped on praise. 
You know, the normal custom in Mary's day was that Jewish women would serve a table of Jewish men and then they would recline, they would go to the back room where they would eat and probably discuss things amongst themselves. They would stay away, but not Mary. <laughs> not Mary, very openly in front of a table full of the disciples and who else, who knows who else was there. She displayed her love for Jesus openly and because she was open. She actually opened herself up to ridicule because she loved Jesus that much. Mary risked her reputation. Will you do the same? I want to read to you the words of a U.S. president, Teddy Roosevelt, quoted from a 1910 speech, you may know some of it, called The Man in the Arena. And this is what he says. It is not the critic who counts, nor the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds might have done better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions and spends himself in a worthy cause, who, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. How good is that? Such powerful truth right there. You know, in Jesus' day, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were the cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. And very sadly, chief among them was Judas, one of Jesus' own disciples. And what I find truly interesting and fascinating about this story is that here you have the extravagant act of love that Mary displayed contrasted by Judas's act of betrayal set against each other. Here we have Mary and she loved openly and she loved publicly. And Judas, he betrayed Jesus secretly and privately. You know what? Mary was criticized for her devotion, and yet Judas was praised for his deceit. And it could appear on the surface that Judas got the better deal, but we know that that is not the truth. Luke 12, 8 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of angels. Will you be open with your love this year? In your workplace, not being afraid to say what Jesus has done, how he has saved you. Maybe in your school, just not being afraid that someone might tease you for being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Would you risk your image? Would you risk your reputation? Would you risk what people may think of you? I'm just going to be really honest. That is a biggie for me. Risking what people think of me, I have spent far too many years being more concerned with what people thought about me than actually what God thinks about me. Anyone else been there? You know, Mike spoke last week about clearing the land. And one of the ways we can do that is to ask for help. And I'm going to go here again because it's what I do and I keep it real. I want to say that actually one of the ways we can get help is actually through Christian counseling. Far too, I, am, I, am, I, I, I wish I had in my 20s gone through some seasons of Christian counseling to help me work out my stuff because we've all got stuff. And one of the things this has helped me so hugely is actually 
to not be afraid of what people think about me anymore, but actually to care more about what God thinks. And Christian counseling is amazing. And the Elam movement, it is deemed our, our pastoral care experts. Sometimes we need pastoral care expert help. And that is so okay because I do it too. So love is lavish. Love is open. The V for love is voluntary. Extravagant love can never be demanded. It can only be volunteered. God gives us a free choice, doesn't he? A free choice of our will to love him and to love others. And as far as we know, Jesus didn't demand Mary to pour that expensive perfume and to anoint him. He would have known that she had it, right? But Mary willingly gave. Mary volunteered it. She had a heart to give. I've heard it said many times, and this is so true, you will never be more like God than when you give. You will never be more like God than when you give. And you know the scriptures say of Mary, she gave what she could. She gave what she could. And I love that because God is not asking for what you don't have. Church, he's asking for what you do have. He is asking for what you do have. So bring what you can. Bring what you can. You know, maybe you've got time to help your kid's teacher at school. Maybe you've got time to write a card or to send an encouraging test. Maybe you've got the resources to fund the kingdom, the expansion of God's kingdom on this earth. Maybe you've got something at home that someone else could really benefit with. God is not asking for what you don't have. I think of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And you know, he, he says, there's a young boy here and he's got five barley loaves and two fishes. And the disciples, oh, they go and say, well, what good is that going to be to feed this huge crowd? You know, there are probably plenty of others who had a packed lunch that day. You know, if I was organized with my, with my family, pretty sure I would have packed some food. I have food everywhere I go. Always eating, always eating. But you know what? Clearly they held on to it. And they didn't get to experience the miracle. So if God ever tells you to empty your pockets, empty what's in your hand, trust him. Be obedient. Voluntary give. Voluntarily give and watch God do a miracle. He's pretty good at it. You can never outgive God. Do you know that? You can never outgive God. You know, in God's currency, in God's kingdom, there will always be overflow. There will always be more. You will be blessed and be a blessing. You can never outgive him. There will always be overflow, 12 baskets full. 12 baskets were left over. You can trust God to voluntary give, freely give. And lastly, extravagant love is a love that is expensive. And all the ladies in the room today say a giant amen to that. <laughs> Mary paid a great price, didn't she? It was expensive. It cost her. The Bible tells us that that bottle of pure nard perfume was worth more than a year's wages. Can you imagine giving a year's salary in one gift of extravagant love? Wow. See, it's not extravagant love unless it costs you something. In comparison, Judas sold Jesus cheaply, 30 pieces of silver, five weeks of wages. 
Let your love cost you this year. You know, someone else who was willing to let his love be expensive was King David in the Bible. I really relate to King David. He wrote many Psalms and songs. He keeps it real. He didn't always get stuff right. But God said he was a man after God's own heart. And one time he didn't get it right. One time he took a census when God didn't ask him to. And in 2 Samuel 24, the punishment was severe. Thousands of Israelites were dying by the plague. And David had an opportunity to put things right, to build an altar and to worship God. But you know what? He wasn't prepared to do it for free. Aranua, character in the Bible, said, I'll give you my threshing floor for free. You don't have to pay for it. So you can worship God. And this is David's response. No, 2 Samuel 24, 24. I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. My friends, just like David, just like Mary, extravagant love will always cost you something. But hit yes. Say yes. Trust your God. In the goodness of your God, he is so faithful. And he works all things together for his good. And his glory, I think about how much my husband might pay for my wedding and engagement rings. Almost 20 years ago this April, I think we worked out it was about $1,200, which back 20 years ago for a, a guy who's just finished his study and full-time work, that was an expensive gift he lavished upon me. And I hope every day he still thinks it's worth it. Because let's face it, people, I've cost him a lot more since then. <laughs> You know it. It's the truth. <laughs> but let your love be expensive. There is a cost. Matthew 16, 24. And the Christian standard says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The team would like to come. You know, Mary, she had no idea of the eternal significance of her act of extravagant love. Like she was just being merry, loving, bestowing generosity. She was open, open to the ridicule, didn't care what other people thought. She's just been obedient. She freely gave a gift that cost her dearly. But you know what she didn't realize? Is that she was actually anointing Jesus's body for burial ahead of time. How amazing is that? So amazing. You know, extravagant acts of love have great purpose attached. And it's God who gives it purpose. He's the one who is sovereign, whose ways are higher, whose thoughts are greater. You know, Mary gave what she could. Mary gave what was in her hand to give. And he took that and he wove it in to the greatest story of all time. He wove it into the gospel. Listen to Mark 49 in the Passion Translation. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. Your life exists for more than just you. Your giving has eternal consequences. Your faith will speak beyond your lifetime. Amen? You remember that. And so this morning, I'd like to finish with our personal story. It's why I wrote this sermon. 
not just to help me, but one day I prayed it would help someone else. So if I need to read this, please forgive me. I just want to say it right. (laughs) Ten years ago, at the end of the month, I was in labor with our eldest child, Rosie Grace. After five years of waiting, hoping, believing God for a miracle with the help of fertility treatment, she was on her way. And I had a long labor. And as I labored, Mike, as any good husband, was in the spare room. Because, hey, how else was he going to help me? And while he was in the spare room and I was in labor, he wrote his first book. And it was called The Rose Princess and the Special Gift. This book is a beautiful story about a princess whose father gave her three gifts, three very precious gifts. And as she went throughout her day, went throughout the kingdom, she found people that needed those gifts more than she did. And so she freely gave them away. And then at the end of the day, she was really afraid to go back and see her father. She thought she had disappointed him. But on the contrary, the father was so proud of his daughter for the way that she had lavished, that she had bestowed generosity upon his people. Little did we know that that would be a prophetic picture of what our family would become. We have always been very open with our fertility journey. It spans 15 years, pretty much 15 years. We shared, we shared sermons before we even had any children. That's how open we've been. And some of you will know, as I shared before, that our two eldest children, Rosie and Josiah, are both IVF babies. So blessed to have medical help. Rosie was our only embryo in our first cycle to survive. Gift of God's grace, that's what her name means. Josiah, on the other hand, when we went back to do our second cycle, his cycle was textbook perfect. A fresh transfer that is our Josiah James. And we were blessed to have three frozen embryos. Three embryos that were frozen and we always intended to go back and use our frozen chosen. That's what we called them, our frozen chosen But then something amazing happened in 2014, just before we moved back to Whangarei. I got pregnant naturally. First time in a decade. Total miracle. Mike is, he's always so proud. (laughs) Total miracle. Our Zoe Hope came into our world. So what became of our frozen chosen? Well, that's what I want to share with you this morning. After my very difficult pregnancy with Zoe, as I have shared before, I journeyed a a path of mental wellness that I have not been on before. I struggled with pre- and postnatal depression. And we prayed and we knew that our family of five was complete. There was only ever going to be two options for us with our frozen chosen. Use them ourselves or donate them to a couple who could not have their own genetic children. Then we remembered the book, The Rose Princess and the Special Gift, and we knew what God was asking us to do. We knew that he was asking us to donate. It was hard, 
And yet at the same time, it was an easy decision. Because when you have walked with God for a little while, when you know the whisper, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you just sometimes, like a software update, click, yes, yes, God, we accept. Yes, Lord, we'll be obedient. We don't understand. Lord, we trust you. Embryo donation or pre-birth adoption is not something that is widely known of in New Zealand or talked about. But it is a beautiful option for couples in our situation to give life. So we prayed and we asked God to send the most beautiful Christian couple our way who could not have their own genetic children. And he answered our prayers. There was a Facebook post. You knew that social networking was going to factor in this story somewhere. And through mutual friends, we came across this beautiful Christian couple that God handpicked for us the answer to our prayers and theirs. We just had the most incredible sense of God's leading, like peace like I've just never known before. Peace. And so this process has taken some time. Ecart ethics, approval, lots of counselling. And on Mother's Day in 2017, this beautiful couple who thought that their dream of having a family would never eventuate became a reality. And in the start of 2018, they were able to carry and give birth to a healthy baby girl to God's honour and glory. Her name means beautiful resurrection. Wow. Her name means beautiful resurrection. She is our biological child, but she is their daughter. She is the sibling or sister cousin. That's the term we use. All our children know. She's the sister cousin to our three beautiful children who remain at our utmost priority to know each other. And only God. Like seriously, only God could take our long fertility journey, all the years of waiting, struggling, fertility treatment. Oh, you name it, I've had it. We've had it. Only God could take that fertility journey, bless us with three beautiful children, and then take that miracle and use it to help someone else. Only God. Only you, Lord. Only Him. Only He. Only he could write such a beautiful story. We won't be sharing who they are and we won't be sharing where they live. But what I would like to share with you this morning is a photo of a recent catch-up that we had with them. This is beautiful resurrection. She's a gift. She is a miracle. She is meant to be here. And our children think she's pretty special. My Elam Fano God is not asking for what you don't have. He is asking for what you do have. And for most of you, it won't be donating your embryos. But I want this to translate to your world. I want this for the Lord to speak to you this morning. What is He asking of you? What is it that you need to click? I accept. Yes, God, I will trust you. I will give what you've given me. You know, for some of you, it might actually be the gift of forgiveness. Maybe you have been hurt. 
hurt more than Mike and I never would understand or imagine. Your God knows. And maybe as he has forgiven you greatly, you are able to offer that gift of forgiveness to those in your world who have hurt you. Maybe for you it is the gift of grace and patience to your children. Come on, those parents in the room. Maybe for you it's the gift of kindness, the gift to bestow generosity in extravagant and generous ways. I don't know what it is for you, but I pray that your heart would be open to hear from the Lord as he speaks to you. Love lavishly, love openly, love voluntarily, and love expensively. Trust that God is the God who works all things together for his good. To those who are called according to his purpose, he works things for good. He works things for good and for his glory. So pour out your love extravagantly because at the end of it all, actually it's about God's glory shining through our lives. It's not about us, but it's about him and pointing people to him. You know, maybe you're here today because someone invited you. You have a friend that dearly loves you. You've come here today. And I want to tell you, my friend, that God loves you so much. In fact, the Bible says that he loved you that much that he would give his one and only son that you might not perish, but have eternal life. And you know, we've all messed up. We've all sinned, the Bible says. We're all in the same boat. And yet God decided to leave heaven and come to earth in the form of Jesus. And he decided to be amongst our humanity. He was God's rescue plan for you. That you would be able to come to know him by Jesus dying on the cross. He was perfect, fully God, fully man. And he took your sin and mine and he paid the price that we deserved. But he didn't just stay dead. Three days later, he rose again to give you life, to give you hope and purpose, to write a beautiful story with your life. He writes a beautiful story that you would know him, that you would walk closely with him. And I want to extend an invitation today as we do every week here at Elam to know your heavenly father. Do you know the Bible says that for those who believed, for those who received his son, Jesus, he gives you the right. He gives all of us the right to become children of God. You get adopted into God's family, become his son and his daughter. It's the most beautiful thing. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning as we close. And we do that by praying a simple prayer. You see, God, Jesus' love was lavish, that his blood was poured out. It was open as he hung on a cross and died for your sin and mine. It was voluntary and that he freely gave of his own will to give his life. He left heaven to come to earth and it was expensive because it cost him everything. And yet that's how much he loved you. So would you like to pray with me this morning? Say, Amy, count me in. Maybe for the first time you want to ask Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you've walked away from God and today's your day to come home. Come on, let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, I believe that your son Jesus is the son of God and the savior of the world. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. 
and that you rose again to give me life. Please forgive me of my sin. Please forgive me for doing life my own way. Today I choose to put you first. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I wanted you to do one more brave thing for me. Would you just simply lift your hand and say, yes, Amy, I prayed that prayer just so we can help you, so we can help you on the journey. Thank you over down here. My team will spot you. Awesome over this side. Amazing. Is there anyone else here this morning? Come on, Jesus. There's a party in heaven going on. So excited. Is there anyone else here this morning? Come on, let's give him a round of praise. He's so good. He's so awesome. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you didn't raise your hand, why don't you just fill it in on your Connect card? Said, I accepted Jesus. I recommitted my life to him and we would love to connect with you. We'll give you a call. We'll help you on the journey. We're family here. This is what we do. Thank you so much for your graciousness and patience. Our God is good. I'm going to hand it back to Mike. Thank you. Like Amy said, our journey is different to yours.